and welcome to another episode of Younger by the Minute. I'm Jamie Spicer and I'm here with Jennifer Spicer. And today we're going to talk about the importance of diving deeper when it comes to nutrition. I mean, I think a lot of people think that nutrition is kind of a one size fits all. And while some people may get the same results on the same plan, it's not. It needs to be very individualized based on your own bio individuality. And at Precision, the company that we own that focuses on fitness, nutrition, medicine, and aesthetics, our philosophy is that in order to maximize your health and your nutrition, you have to be thoroughly assessed. And what that means is that we look at a whole bunch of things by diving deeper, like lab work, diagnostics, lifestyle, and so on. Genetic testing, mold testing. Activity level. Yeah, exactly. Does the client work indoors, outdoors? And now I'm going to dive in because this is kind of my realm, but you know, there's a lot of good dietitians and nutrition coaches out there. The thing that I think differentiates us between a lot of the other people is the fact that we have a collaborating physician that believes in the same things that we do, meaning that we can get the whole comprehensive blood panel or mold test or genetic test that we need to thoroughly diagnose the client properly, meaning that if other dietitians or nutrition coaches, if they don't have a collaborating physician or someone they can go to to get the full clinical picture, and I'll touch on the thyroid for an example, let's say that their medical director who they go to to get lab work or they request that you as the client go to your primary to get blood work pulled and they want the thyroid done and the only thing they're willing to pull is T4 and TSH, then they're not getting the full clinical picture to where with us with our medical director, Dr. Becky, she also believes in the fact that you need free T3 and in some cases reverse T3 to get a full clinical picture on that person. Yes, and also sometimes the provider might believe in it, but they're actually unable to pull it depending on what establishment they're at. So being in a private practice allows us to pull the reverse T3, for example, because sometimes that's only allowed to be pulled in certain situations like when someone's in the ICU and that reverse T3 to free T3 ratio is important to trying to figure out if the thyroid's, you know, not working as it should. It's the same thing when it comes to insulin sensitivity. It's not just about pulling fast glucose. It's about pulling fasted insulin and the A1C. Correct. Correct. So that's the big thing I feel that we differentiate when we do work with our clients is the fact that we can truly get to the root cause of the problem, not just treat the symptom. Not just guess at, is this client insulin sensitive or insulin resistant? Does that lead us to intermittent fasting or does that lead us to keto temporarily or like a primal paleo if we're working on thyroid? You know, we can we can really get a full clinical picture and really go into the correct course of action pretty quickly versus try on error, which, you know, to be frank with you, you know, for years, I, that's how I had to do it. But that's also how you learn, and that's also how we learn in medicine. You know, it's trial and error, but it's also making sure that you're learning from everything and, and you know, making, quote-unquote, protocols. Right. You know, like I talked about in previous ones is, you know, I started out 20 years ago, and, you know, we didn't have precision as it is today. It was just precision fitness. And I was, at the very beginning of my training career, I was just doing training without nutrition. And like I said in the past episode, some of my clients got really good results, and some of them didn't. And, and the the differential factor on that was the ones that were following a better nutrition program. So then I went in and I studied and learned nutrition and I got better at it. And then the ones that were still doing really good and not so good, I figured, you know, now I'm doing nutrition and the training. 
what can be the common denominator here? And that's where it led me down the path of hormones. And then I, I found out how hard it is to actually get doctors for whatever reason it is, whether they believe in it, they don't believe it, whether it's because it's too hard to get from insurance, they get it done. It was getting the correct panels pulled so we can look at the client in a full clinical picture. Well, and not to advocate for things like, because I'm of the belief that I got into medicine because I really was interested in it. And I, I never want to stop learning. And every day I'm learning something and I'm just at the beginning of my career in medicine. But sometimes, and what I'm learning just by us pulling labs is when someone pulls labs, they then have a medical responsibility to then deal with what they pulled. And if they can't help that patient, then they pulled something and it might be a little sticky. So instead, it's like open up, you know, open yourself up to either learn or find a referring physician that you could then refer the patient to and then you've done your due diligence. But it is, I mean, labs are very important, but not only that, it's really figuring out the genetics and the lifestyle. And for example, if they have mold, if they have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, so say now you've pulled labs, everything looks to be okay. It doesn't look like they're fighting an infection, but they're constantly bloated with everything they eat and they might have SIBO. Okay, but now what? Sometimes nutrition alone isn't going to starve that out. So do you have the ability to prescribe the right things to prescribe to then help get that to where it needs to be? So you'd have to really, it's an ethical thing to make sure that you can always do everything that you can try to do once you started helping a patient. 100%. And you know, I know at one point in time, and I don't know if this is true because it's hearsay, but I've also, I've heard around in the medical world that in school, they're taught that if they do not know how to read the blood work, do not pull it. Because like you said, then maybe can somehow be held liable for that. Well, and also, and I think it's just down to the person as a physician, right? Like some physicians feel uncomfortable when they don't know what they're doing. Some are okay with saying, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Some are, are okay with saying I have a colleague because it would be impossible to be the best at everything when it comes to medicine. And I don't think anybody expects that. So who knows where it's coming from. But at the same time, in medicine, we're not really taught nutrition the way that a dietitian is taught or the way that you've learned. And I've always, that's always baffled me because it's, a, it's like trying to understand how a car works, but to understand you don't learn how an engine is meant to operate or what type of oil like what oil is to the engine or something like that. Like you just, how do you, how is that possible? Right. I agree with you on that. And then there comes into the diving deeper into nutrition. It's like, again, we've talked about in those other episodes, but like, what's the right meal plan? Cause there's so many different ones out there and we have phases to our program and they're designed like that for a reason. The, the, the first design is to basically eliminate bloating, gas, digestive issues, and to restore gut health and also hormonal balance before we can move into the second phase. So when we're talking about macros, a macro just isn't a macro. You know, I just had an incidence with one of my bodybuilders that's, you know, was two weeks off from a show and all of a sudden his weight was consistent at 221 every morning. All of a sudden he wakes up at 230 mm -hmm. and I'm like, what did you do different? And he's like, I haven't done anything different. I'm like, okay, did you cheat? He's like, no, I didn't cheat. I'm like, have you been constipated? He's like, no. I'm like, did you eat? I could have been eating later, but not by that much weight. So I went back to, I'm like, what did you change? You had to have changed something. He's like, the only thing, you know, was different was brown rice. And I changed up brown rice for basmati rice, but it's just rice. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. You know, there's five more grams of fiber in brown than basmati. 
you know, the brown rice is going to slow down digestion. It's going to pull water into the lower GI. You know, there's the difference right there. So when we're talking macros, that's important when you're diving deeper into your nutrition, because if you're not moving the way you want to, because again, I've said this before, you know, a sweet potato is very healthy, but some people just don't have the capability to digest sweet potatoes at all or on a daily basis. Sometimes it needs to be rotational carbs. So being able to dive down all the way in is the key to unlocking your success versus just what's the right meal plan for me. Well, I think that's true. And as you know, like you said, for dietitians or anybody writing nutrition programs, you need to be able to go deeper. You're actually not going to be able to help the person, you know, so it needs to be a collaborative team. But you brought up something about hormones. And I really want people to understand that in order for your hormones to be level in or, and in order for someone to start working with your hormones by supplementing them, doing HRT, the gut has to be addressed first. If the gut is not addressed first, it's going to be like you're trying to run uphill in mud. You've got to deal with things in a certain algorithm because it all has a negative feedback. You know, yes, the hormones need to be addressed, but gut health needs to be addressed. And then if the adrenals are shot, then the adrenals need to be addressed. And then the thyroid and then the sex hormones. You can't just jump into prescribing people things and not fixing the gut because it's just not going to work. The hormones are going to start to surge. They're going to start to get too high because you have four organs of excretion. And if the gut's backed up and the gut isn't moving, the liver is going to get backed up. And that's where everything is processed through. So, you know, as, as far as medications go. So I think and to kind of go into look this a little bit deeper is because the importance of the, the reason of addressing gut then adrenals and thyroid is because all those things can kind of give you a false read on your sex hormones. Correct. They can falsely lower them down. So. Again, if you fix these first, then retest and see where your true baseline is and versus a false baseline because of things that are suppressing those numbers down, you're going to be, have a much better outcome and less likely that your hormones are going to completely surge in the wrong direction. And then you're having to fight those symptoms and the things that come along with that, uh, blood pressure, hematocrit levels, water retention just to name a few things that could be associated to going in the wrong direction. So understanding things is very important. And just going in and getting things like HRT done is not going to fix your unhealthy eating habits. Yeah, you might lose a little bit of weight. And yes, you might feel a little bit better. But again, you're just treating the symptom, not the cause. And the cause is this poor dietary choices, poor lifestyle, lack of exercise, lack of sleep, lack of stress management. Or, I mean, or it could be the right things, but they're just so far down regulated that they made the change. But the other thing is, is we have to stop thinking that everything is segmented out. Everything works together in our body, like every single cell, everything. And, you know, if we would understand that in, you know, American society and as along with how we do Western medicine is, you know, the gut is related to the brain. It's made from the same fetal tissue. It houses most more of your neurotransmitters than your brain does. You know, if we look at how important is nutrition is with mental health, with autoimmune disorders, I mean, we have now 105 autoimmune disorders. And how is that possible? How are we now becoming more diabetic and everything else? It's just, it's a mess. And it all boils down to nutrition. And then what, to even go deeper, people really have to educate themselves on where they're getting their food sourced from as well. And so that's a whole other thing. 
And I would like to talk more about the skinny shot and terzepatide. You want to talk about using things as a tool to just deal with the symptoms, but with the rise of ozempic and semaglutide or Munjaro and terzepatide, we've got to really talk about that. I 100% agree. But before we go into that side of it, again, diving deeper into nutrition, again, jumping into fat diets is not going to be the answer. You have to understand you specifically. And uh, we talked about different things, different scenarios. Again, you know, if you take you as the same person and we know, or you know you as you are right now, you know what's working, what's not working. And we just change that scenario out. Let's say that you primarily work at a desk and in air conditioning, and now you get a construction job and you're working out during the heat. Well, there's a couple of things that stand off right away. Carbohydrate intake is going to increase. Water intake is going to increase. Sodium intake is going to increase because you need to restore your electrolytes because you're sweating out and peeing out electrolytes. That's a variable that will change. Same person, same height, same age, just a different work environment. Let's say now you give someone autoimmune, and like you said, there's people that there's 105 different ones out there. So you have one with or without. That's going to change what foods that person can have under plan and what foods they cannot. We make one person insulin resistant, one person insulin sensitive. That changes the snow, and we're all dealing with the same person. Well, not even that. Let's talk about glucose. I mean, we were those glucose monitors, and it, you take a stressful event one day, and you need to change what you're going to eat next because your glucose is too high. Right. So taking all this stuff into account, as you can tell, is not just as simple about as far as following what your friend's doing because it's working for them. It's not as simple as jumping on the, the newest fat diet or whatever is being pushed on social media because honestly, if you really look at it like I have, they're all in a cyclical rotation about every five to six years, they circle back around. Keto's hot, keto's gone, keto's bad. Paleo's here, fasting's here, they're gone, they come back. They're just in this rotation that continually goes. And the way, the best way I can say it is that, that all those things are like Batman's tool belt. They are tools to be used at very specific times and can work for people. You just got to know when to use that tool with that client. That's going to be the distinguishing factor, I think, between you seeing success with one dietitian or nutrition coach over another is the fact of can they get a full clinical picture, get all the stuff they properly need, and are they well-adversed, and is their tool belt well-equipped with multiple different things so they can adjust as your body adjusts? Well, and I think it's a partnership, right? So there is something to intuitive eating, you know, as long as you're really in touch with what's going on. For example, like females with their hormones. Our hormones are changing every single day, every week. You've had me change up my carb intake to fat intake depending on where I am in the month. I mean, there's just a lot to be said. Quitting your cardio and your training. Correct. And same for thyroid. So it's like there's so many variables that it can seem overwhelming. And I think that's also part of it. Like people are just like ready because the pain point is already there. They want to get moving. But sometimes slowing down to speed up is the best way to go with it. Right. All right. So you said you wanted to touch on. I just think that we need to talk about it because. The skinny shot, a.k.a. Ozempic or semaglutide. Semaglutide is the generic name for Ozempic. And then Munjaro, which has the generic of terzepatide. I cannot reiterate this enough, and I know Jimmy feels the exact same way that I do. This is not, you know, the golden ticket to answering your dreams while allowing you to continue making poor choices when it comes to food and lifestyle. Jamie has said it before that he feels like this is going to be like the HCG crash diet. And I happen to agree. So we take things very different here. 
You get blood work. We see how your pancreas is already working. And you have to see Hannah for a nutrition consult because I refuse to put someone on a medication that they will later have detrimental results to you later. And I think that's what people don't realize. Like what happens when you come off of it? And you shouldn't just be trying to suppress your appetite. You should no. be learning how to heal your body and make better choices when it comes to eating. Yeah. 90, 95 to 90% of the people that walk through this door that we start with nutrition is under eating by at least three to 400 calories minimum. Yeah. And in some cases do a thousand. And every single time clients are in amazement and the fact that how are they losing weight, leaning up when they're eating more? Yeah. You know, that's the thing. And again, you know, like you said, I do believe, and I, I do hope I'm proven wrong with this, but the way that it's being marketed, the way that doctors are handing this out with not little, all. not all, but there's doctors out there with little to no guidance or discussion on the importance of nutrition and eating and that stuff. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's going to be the HCG diet all over again. And in the four to five year study on this, it's going to make it look like this was a poor drug, just like HCG was. Well, and it's true because it's being misused. And I, I really want people to understand that gaining weight is emotional and holding on to weight is emotional. Yep. So doing whatever you need to do to heal yourself emotionally and your relationship with food is huge. I've been there. I've had to do it. I still have to deal with it, you know, and having a better relationship with yourself. Now, it is a beautiful drug when used properly. It's a wonderful drug, but too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. And so just having a healthy relationship with that. Also having a healthy relationship with what your ideal or weight should be and not doing things because you feel pressured or because you're seeing other people on social media because that can all be a facade. But the biggest thing that I want people to understand, because even in the aesthetics world, they're talking about like ozempic face. Well, it's from someone being in too much of a catabolic state for too long. And to Jamie's point, when if you're under eating, you're in, I can't even say the word right now. The catabolic? Yes, thank you. Because you're a catabolic at it. Anabolic or anabolic. Which, there's another one. But so people understand anabolic, which means you're preserving muscle, you're feeding it. Catabolic, which is means you're chewing up muscle. Yeah. So like essentially you'll do if you're not training and eating right, is you're going to just burn muscle and then you're going to end up when you come off of these drugs, just gaining weight back. So there has to be a good balance. Like I really encourage people to make sure that they're getting measured and having someone make benchmarks for them and coach them because you have to understand that there are medical professionals that have your best interest, but there are also medical professionals that either haven't done enough digging and research or have the, the best interest of their own pockets. So please just do your due diligence. It's the same thing with everything that we do in our field from fitness to nutrition, to aesthetics, to medicine. Just this is your body. This is your choice. Even if you have a doctor that you're no longer aligning with, get a new one. You don't need to stay with that one. Right. There are several good doctors out there. You just have to look for them and you have to interview them and you have to ask them questions. And if they're not answering your questions, then I, that would be the first red flag. Correct. You know, they're getting offensive of you asking them. That's a red flag. They're just on it. I'm the doctor. You're the patient. You do as I'm told. I'd walk right out the door. It's a partnership. It's a 100% a partnership. If they're, they're asking questions, if you're asking questions and they're giving you answers and everything, then that's the path I would kind of go down to. Yes, because there's always something to be taught and medicine is forever evolving. Human beings are always the variable, forever changing. We are different from day to day, from hour to hour. Our physiology is changing. So there's no way that a doctor that's only seeing you periodically 
can truly understand that. So I also encourage you to really truly get in tune with yourself. Do things that allow you to have the ability to have self-reflection and start to feel when you might have gut dysbiosis going on by doing some deep breathing and doing some journaling and start tracking your health because this is your body. Yeah, I mean, at some point we have to admit that we have to take accountability for ourselves and our health. Yeah. We don't rely on our accountant to take financial control, right? The accountant just helps us get to the end point. So your doctor just helped guide you with your health and kind of you check in with them and let, they can tell you how well has your health done over the last year or two. But at the end of the day, you're the one accountable for your health. And each morning you wake up, you have a choice of how you're going to treat your body for that day. Yes. It's up to you. You have a choice of what you're going to eat and what you're going to feel about what you're eating. If you go out to have a cheat meal, don't beat yourself up over it. You're going to downregulate. I mean, you're going to upregulate inflammation in your body. Every thought that you think has a response to it. So be grateful for that food. Like literally sat, have gratitude for it. Be gra grateful for your water and really make choices throughout each and every day because you only have the day at hand to, to be better than the last. Yeah. And I know that soda has water in it, but <laughs> that does not count as your water intake. Same I, as coffee. Same as coffee, <laughs> you know, but well, I think that hits the topics for today. It does. And I also, just because we're talking about water, please make sure you're drinking at least half your body weight in ounces. It's in ounces, unless you're working out. Drink more. Or you're outside in this, now that it's getting warmer, increase it by at least a half a liter to a liter. And I also want to say that artificial sweeteners are a no bueno thing. Don't do it. The only thing that we recommend is stevia and some xylitol. Or monk fruit. Or monk fruit. Yes. Because yeah, regardless of what the FDA says, it still spikes your insulin. And it's a chemical. Yep. But that's all I have. That's all I got. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Younger by the Minute. I'm checking out Jamie Spicer. Tapping out Jennifer Spicer. Have a good day. <laughs>